Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Generation Broadway. As always, I am your host, Jillian Kidd, and I am so stoked to be here this week. Um, I've got a couple of really good episodes lined up, but really quickly, I just wanted to say thank you for being so patient during that little hiatus I took. Unfortunately, I was really busy with some schoolwork, and then I was sick, so I wasn't really able to put out as much content as I would like, but I am back in action, and I'm coming back strong. I have this week is the start of a two-part series, which is very exciting. So starting this week, I am talking about songs I like for musicals I don't really like, and then next week, I will be back with the opposite, so songs I don't really like for musicals I love. So that would be all the songs I kind of skip over and cast recordings and stuff like that. Um, I am also, before I get started, looking through my list and notice that most of the things on my list are actually musical adaptations of movies. And that is probably a bigger conversation to have, which I would love to do. So So let me know um, on social media or in the comments of this if you think that that's something you'd be interested in talking about. I think... There's a lot of points you could bring up about how to adapt a movie into a musical. Um, Anyways, tangent aside, let's get into today's episode. Alrighty, so starting off first, we have the song Sexy from the musical Mean Girls. I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about this musical, but I'm going to start on a lighter note by talking about what I really like about the song. So I think this song is really, really funny. It's obvious, so it's sung by the character of Karen, uh, who's played by Kate Rockwell in the Broadway run of it, and it's her talking about Halloween and how she loves Halloween because she's the hot one in her group, and this is a song that allows her to still be sexy and still be hot and how girls have to do this on Halloween. Um, overall, I think this song is really great. It's really, really catchy and, like, upbeat, and when it comes into the show, it's a bit of a lull right before the song comes in, so it's a really nice, like, wake up and reminder that, like, this is still a funny show, this is still a comedy, and you can still have fun with it, regardless of, like, the overarching messages of it. I think it's really great. It also has a really awesome dance break, which I love, but it's not too long, so that, and I think that's definitely a benefit to it, because sometimes when you listen to songs and they have a dance break, it really enhances the live viewing of the musical, but when you're listening to the cast recording of it, it kind of takes away from the overall sound of the song, Uh, but fortunately this dance break isn't too, too long, and it keeps you with it, and it's just like a nice little upbeat tempo, which is really great. Um, The thing for me that I think stands out the most about this song as a whole is that it's really witty, and I talk about this some more about why I don't like the musical, but I think the wittiness here is kind of the only time in the show that it pays off, and it's good, because, you know, I think this is something that Karen would say. It's like, there's a lot of lines in the song that are really witty and smart and educated. So, like, one of my favorite lines from the whole show, it's, like, a very popular sound on TikTok, but it says, uh, this is modern feminism talking. I expect to run the world in shoes I cannot walk in. And I think overall that's, like, a really interesting point and, like, critique of society randomly in the middle of this, like, hilarious song about, like, dressing up and looking really attractive and, like, looking like a sexy version of corn. Like, it's a really centered line, and I think it's so good. And part of why it plays off is because that's such an impactful line in the show. And overall, 
has this big moment of like feminism and how like this is what first world feminism looks like sometimes um but it doesn't take away from the rest of the song it doesn't like it's not forced in there it's not cut in really hard which I think the rest of the show kind of struggles with sometimes but kind of overall as a whole just the main reason why I love this song ultimately is because it's a really nice moment for Karen to shine I think in my opinion, she is one of the most underrated characters of the movie and the musical. She's so great. Um, and I think she really, this is a nice moment for her to stand out because otherwise she would essentially just be like kind of forgotten and used as comic relief. And she's so much more than that. And having sexy and having her say some of these more witty lines right now and like later on in the musical too, kind of just highlights like how she might be like just viewed as the dumb blonde but she's still kind of smart and I think this song is a really great way of conveying that but yeah so kind of overall that is the main reason I like Mean Girls the Musical um I think that the key thing and when you're trying to adapt a movie into a musical is that you need to find a way to like elevate the story and add to it aside from just putting in song and dance you know there needs to be a justification for having people go and spend money and time to go see this show instead of just watching the movie at home in their jammies and comfortable. You know, there needs to be a pull to it that I think adding in song and dance isn't enough for. You need to have more there. And I think that that's something that Mean Girls the Musical falls short on. Um, also, I think where they get hit really hard is that some of the lyrics aren't really that great um and when I say this it comes from a place of knowing that I could not do better if I gave it my all I think Jeff Richmond and Tina Fey did a great job I could not have done better but some of these lyrics don't really make sense so for example they definitely they have a line in the show that is directly saying it's like a party with revenge is what it's like uh they have another line that says Katie time to turn and cough and they have a third line that says, acted nice when she not nice. So none of that really makes sense and almost seems like it was there to fit the music and to fit the rhyming scheme. But then it ends up kind of compromising the song. And I think personally, it kind of pulls you out of the moment a little bit. Because once you hear that, you're like, oh, that makes no sense. Why would she say that? And it's interesting. It's a very interesting look at songwriting. Um, I think it also is trying to mimic, like, teenage language, but it just misses the boat because that's not really how teenagers talk at all. And that is ultimately something that comes from having a writing team that is kind of detached from teenagers. Like, both of them are adults, which is hats off, like, nothing wrong with that. But they don't really have any connection to teenagers, so then it's hard. It shows in your writing sometimes that, you don't know how teenagers can communicate, and I think that hit them. But overall, I think the biggest problem with the show is that they tried to put in all of these forced, really deep messages, and it didn't quite work. I think the only time it actually worked was through Sexy, but they got hurt kind of everywhere else because, like, they have this whole thing about, yes, Regina is a bad person, and yes, they are talking about the patriarchy and how girls are required to hate each other when they should just be friends and that's all well and good but Katie's main motivation throughout the whole thing kind of stays that she is only doing this because she likes Aaron 
and Regina's dating Aaron instead of that Regina bullies everybody or Regina is bullied Katie's best friend like you know there's a lot of reasons why Katie should be going after Regina and I feel like those aren't really mentioned as much which is interesting um and I think it's so then when you have all of these messages about feminism it just kind of falls short because Katie's still doing this for a boy she's still her end goal of of this for the most of the show was to get a boy so then that kind of like makes it fall short but through sexy they actually do that really well and it's because the point of the song isn't undercut like it's still the same memo of the song like it's the same meaning it's the same thing of how Karen thinks she can look hot and she really likes that because she's labeled the hot one of her group so she's criticizing um the patriarchy but she is still having fun and she never loses her personality because of that uh so I think actually I would say that that song having sexy in there is what they wanted to do for the whole show but it just didn't work out which is ultimately part of why it pops out more because you're like wow this is really good and upbeat and catchy but it still has like these deep meanings to it and I think the rest of the musical tried to do that but couldn't really keep up with it and moving right along to number two we have dead mom from beetlejuice so I think what you'll find actually with this whole list is that I'm not a really huge fan of like comedy musicals I they're just not for me um and beetlejuice is definitely one of those but I really really like the song dead mom I think within the context of the show and without the context of the show it's really great um there's so many raw emotions felt through it and it shows Lydia and how she's feeling about the death of her mother and her father because he at this point in the show is kind of ignorant of it just trying to move on and push past it and that's actually really hurting Lydia and I think this song is a really good carrier for that message that she's in pain and she feels like no one cares and no one knows and the best thing in her life was her mom and no one's going to be able to fix that or solve that so it's a really interesting song just in that context even uh but then without the context of the show it's still this girl who is hurting from her mother's death and wants to be recognized for that and no and it's contemplating and like grappling with the reality of death and losing a loved one so it's really emotional and I really enjoy that um it's this one-sided conversation is what it is exclusively and it's so beautifully done um there's so many really great lines in it like this one where Lydia says you held my hand and life came easy now jokes don't land and no one sees me just kind of showing how she really feels isolated in this moment um beyond that what also makes the song pop out and what makes the song stand so much is the lyrics and the vocals of it. The three main actresses who took over this role, so Sophia Anna Caruso, who originated the role on Broadway, uh, Presley Ryan, who later took it on for about two weeks before the shutdown, and then Dana Steingold, who was the understudy for it. All three of them, there's well-documented clips of them on YouTube, and Sophia Anna Caruso's in the cast recording of it, and they all deliver it so beautifully and so well done and make it their own and one kind of side note I think that because my favorite version of this is Presley Ryan's version of it and Presley Ryan is a teenager I want to say she's 16 but she might be a little bit older than that but she's still in high school so I think when you hear her singing this there is this kind of 
raw connection to her singing a song about a character who is her age. She's playing the right age for this. And I think that ultimately kind of connects it really well and adds an emotional depth to it. So overall, I really enjoy the song. I think it's beautiful. It's really great. However, I am not a huge fan of this show. I know it has a huge cult following to it, so um, this might not go over too well with me kind of criticizing it, but that's okay. (laughs) I think part of the side effect of having this cult following to it is that sometimes the show can get overhyped in itself because people are remembering their experience and they're remembering feelings of it, which is great, but then they aren't really remembering parts of the actual show that aren't really as good, so it can kind of fall short there. Um, Like I said earlier, overall, I'm not really a huge fan of comedy musicals, and this isn't necessarily a bad musical. It's just not for me. It's not really my taste, Um, but I personally feel like they were trying to do too much. They had too much of a storyline, And I think it's really hard because they talk about so much. Like, it's a comedy musical. They have all these really funny jokes and they have these gags and these masterful sets and these big, like, they have giant sandworms and it's, like, really theatrical. Um, But then they also have scenes, like, talking about suicide and grappling. Like, I was just talking about grappling with uh, losing your mom. And it's personally for me, like, you get a bit of whiplash going between making jokes about drinking and doing drugs to someone crying on stage because their mom died. It's really hard to hear that. And I think when you're listening to the soundtrack of it, there's definitely this like hard cut between songs, which is very interesting to listen to. Um, I do think that like the characters and the actors did a really great job. Like Alex Brightman was phenomenal as Beetlejuice and I don't really think anyone else could have done a good job but it's just they have too much going on there's too it would have been better personally if they were just this like jokester comedy musical or this kind of serious musical with one character that stood out instead of having every single character go from really upset to really hilariously like laughing at discombobulated times it was really definitely like I think whiplash is the right term of like it's really hard to do those switches um which is why ultimately I think dead mom kind of stands out because it's a lot more serious and a lot more intense um so I really just I like it and I think I like it works well outside of the context of the musical it's not plot dependent which is really good too and moving on from that this one's pretty specific to be honest so it's um magical mystery misopheles from specifically Cats, the 2019 film adaptation. <laughs> I've never, like, talked about this on the podcast, but I I have so many mixed emotions about Cats, the movie. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the song first. Um, this song slaps so hard. It's so good. It is amazing. It is one of my favorite. It's my favorite song uh, from the movie version of the musical. It is different from the Broadway version. If you listen to the Broadway version, it is mostly uh, Rum Tum Tugger singing about it, about Mr. Mistopheles and talking about that. Um, And this version of it, it is Mr. Mistopheles doing most of the singing and then the chorus kind of joins in. And I personally think that that is a lot better. Um, The Rum Tum Tugger version of it is a lot more like 
sultry and sexy and like his vibe is very like like the character of Rum Tum Tugger is really like promiscuous. Um, when you have Mr. Mistopheles singing it, it is a lot more like upbeat and hopeful and magical and like you want it to happen and you're rooting for him, which is really great because I think also Mr. Mistopheles is kind of like a side character he definitely gets stepped on and he's super important to the plot and I love him so I'm really glad that he got this nice little moment Uh, and I just can't hype up how like upbeat it is and it's such a nice beat for the show considering a lot of the shows I will say it a lot of the songs from Cats are slow and kind of boring so when you are going through all of that and then you get to this like nice little like happy song about like oh, he's so magical and exciting. Like, it's really nice, upbeat change of tone for the rest of the show. Um, they also do not shy away from the tambourine in this version of it, and I have to say I enjoy that. They, The movie version of this adds a lot of guitar to a lot of songs, which I don't love, but for this one, it seems like they took all of the guitar and threw it out and brought in the tambourine, which was excellent. More Broadway shows need to have tambourine, if you ask me. But kind of like I said, it just makes you root for Mr. Mistopheles more. And I think it brings in the end of the musical a lot better. And like I said, this song goes so hard. It slaps. It's so good. I love it. On the flip side, there is a lot I could talk about about why I don't like the musical Cats. Uh, For example, the CGI, which I will not be discussing because I think that is a movie-specific problem and not a musical thing as a whole. So we're just going to recognize that that was bad and move on. I think I'm going to focus on the casting mostly of it uh, because I didn't like the casting of it. I love, I love Genderbent Productions. They're so great. But I think if you're doing that, you still need to, like, have the person you're casting, whether it be, like, a woman typically playing a role played by a man, that doesn't matter. You just, you're, the actor still needs to have the, like, essence of the character. Um, and casting Judy Dench to play Old Deuteronomy, in my opinion, doesn't quite fit well. She does not really have the energy or the style of Old Deuteronomy. And I think it just falls flat because of that. Beyond that, I don't know why Jason Derulo tried to maintain his British accent while he was singing. It did not work well, in my opinion. And I think it would have just been way better if he had the British accent while he was talking and then American accent while he was singing or no accent at all. This movie really showed that they were fine taking creative liberties. So he did not need to have a British accent. And I think it definitely hurt his character. Um, And they definitely, like I said earlier, they added a lot of guitar into songs, and it changed the fit. It was definitely made in a choice, I think, to modernize the musical, but it's such a weird musical that I don't know if it needs modernization. I think it works better presenting it exactly as it is. And a quick side note to Cats the Movie Musical, specifically, um, I want to talk about why I didn't say Memory. And it's because I, personally watching this movie, going into it, assumed that memory would be good. I knew that that's the one that would stand out because they cast Jennifer Hudson, who is so talented and could have played that role in her sleep. And the song, like, she's so well suited to singing that song. So when she did it well, I wasn't surprised. It was great. It was really well done. 
it didn't surprise me. I thought it would be good. Whereas Miss Magical Mr. Mistopheles, I was really pleasantly surprised by. I really liked it. So that's why I picked Magical Mr. Mistopheles instead of Memory, which Memory's a great song, but it didn't really fit the category that I was looking at today. And moving on to number four, we have the Squip song from Be More Chill. So I feel bad talking about this musical, that saying that I don't like it, because I actually used to really love this musical, which is interesting. Um, but I really, overall, I've kind of gotten sick of the musical, but I still really like the Squip song. It is a really interesting, it has a really interesting beat. The, the musical as a whole kind of has this beat to it of, like, it's very, like, electronic and, like, pop rock and stuff like that so it's definitely a standout from every other song on this list and every other musical on this list uh and I think this squip song kind of just portrays that really well because it's an introduction so it's it comes in the musical when we're first meeting the squip which is this technological creature that helps the main character to become more cool and this is when we first meet him, so I think it's really great because you're starting to see that introduction of the technology sounding to it and the, like, sci-fi sounds, and it's really well done. Uh, I think the song also has a really great comedic timing to it, so it's pulled off really well um, kind of throughout the whole thing. It, the comedic timing of the rest of the musical can get a little dicey, but this song, it pulls it off really well. You have this really overconfident character of Rich who is singing and screaming and just like really giving her. Um, and then you have Jeremy in the background freaking out. And I think that's a really funny theme that you do kind of see throughout the musical, but it is best on display here. Uh, speaking of the character of Rich, he absolutely nails this song. Every version of it that I've seen or I've listened to is so good. There's this one high note at the end of the song and it's so brilliantly done. And actors, like, they hit it all the time, and it just sounds so good, and it gives me chills, and I absolutely love it. Um, and like I said, kind of overall, it has, it sounds a little bit different from a lot of the other songs in the musical. I would say it has a bit more of, like, a pop rock techno-y feel than other songs, and it really helps to make it stand out, and I really enjoy it. But like I said, overall, I'm not really a huge fan of Be More Chill than Musical anymore. Um, again, I think this is an example of a really cult-based following hyping up a musical more than it actually should be. Um, so I think, to start off, I want to give the cast and creative and crew of Be More Chill their credit, because they never pretended to be anything other than what they were. They know it's a jokey, not-too-serious musical, and they don't broadcast it as anything other than that. They know that this is a fun musical. And I think that actually really helps it, because I've talked about other shows in this list just taking themselves too seriously, and they get hurt through that. And Be More Chill does not get hurt by that. They take it as it is, and they advertise it based on that, which is really great. Where I think this show falls short is because of its cult following. Um, over So it first started in the early 2010s, uh, up until 2015. It had a run off-Broadway, and that production was very good, but it was different from, they eventually ended up going off-Broadway again in 2018 and got a Broadway run in 2019. And that production, in my opinion, was very catered to the fan base and to fans' needs. And that makes sense because this whole musical was brought back and had this like second coming and resurgence 
because of fan desire and fan like fans just loved it and they really wanted to see it come back so it did so I could see why they decided to cater to fans wants and being like oh well you guys all really like the character of Michael so we're gonna make you feel even more bad for him and make him another prominent character instead of kind of keeping it the way it is because then it feels like certain moments are really forced and that ultimately did hurt them because it just changes the tone of the show overall and it makes you like you can tell that there's certain points in it where you're being forced to feel one way about a character and I'm not a huge fan of that it doesn't leave much up to interpretation um which was a choice they made they went with it and it is what it is but yeah I think overall this clip song just really stands out and I listen to it a lot (laughs) and lastly on this list we have not a simple sponge from spongebob the musical this is so weird talking about spongebob from like an analytic point of view but we're gonna go with it and hopefully i'm not gonna laugh that much but anyways guys this song goes so hard for literally no reason (laughs) for no reason it comes at a point in the show when spongebob is reaffirming his like courage and how he can be great and he can do this and he can save and he can save bikini bottom so it's a very motivational and encouraging song which is great um i would say the key thing from this is ethan slater's vocals Ethan Slater played Spongebob on Broadway, and he crushed it. He gave that performance everything he had, and that was really interesting to hear and listen to. Uh, Also, I've never seen Spongebob, like, in a serious capacity, like, taking things seriously and having courage and being dismayed, like, and stuff like that. So it was really interesting perspective to watch this happen, and I kind of, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um... I am very obsessed. Part of why I like this is because I am obsessed with moments in musicals where everyone is singing. You have the chorus, the band, the lead. It's super, super loud. And then, bam, all of a sudden it focuses in on the lead singing a quiet solo. Or actually vice versa, where you just have the lead singing and it's very, very quiet. And then all of a sudden there's a flash of light and now all the ensemble singing and the band is playing super loud. I love those moments. Those are moments that give me chills. I live for them. And this song does that so well. They have it in there twice and it sounds great both times. And it really adds to the song because I think the other thing too is you can have these moments, but they fall short because they aren't really placed right in the song. Um, But these really like they pull you back in, they reel you in, they keep you rooting for Spongebob and it's so, so, so great. Uh, There also is a little bit of an interlude of like talking between Spongebob and Mr. Krabs. My only problem with that is I think their accents kind of pull you out a little bit because obviously they have to do character voices, but it's not too long, so you can just skip it or work around it. Or if you want to listen to it, you can also listen to it. Um, But overall, and I cannot stress this enough, Ethan Slater is what sells this. He did such a great job. It sounds amazing. He gave it his all and it pays off. Um, overall, though, that's kind of the only thing I like about Spongebob the Musical. My key problem with Spongebob the Musical is that I don't necessarily think there was a need for it, you know? 
I don't think there was a fan base that was like, oh, you know what we really are missing from Spongebob, from the Spongebob canon? A musical, you know? I don't think that conversation was ever had. So I commend them for trying, but I don't really think it worked out. And I think that the performers in the musical and the writers and everyone did as best a job they possibly could. I just think that this was a feat they weren't going to be able to come over. Because the show sits at this really interesting point where it could be terrible. It could be so annoying and awful and it wouldn't last a season. But it pays off because it's really funny and their timing is really, really good. And that's something that unfortunately the musical just kind of misses out on. Um, and I think part of why they're hurt by that is because they don't have animation. And a lot of time it's easy to suspend your disbelief into animation, whereas in a musical it's live action, it's happening right in front of you. So it's just harder to have that like belief that what is happening in front of you is actually real and it is something that is foreseeable and likely you know it just they kind of get cut short because of that um and i think the only way that this could have actually worked out is if they just went in the complete opposite direction of the show they didn't even try to copy it like if they just were kind of their own thing like it was so different that you couldn't compare it to the actual or to the actual tv show then it would have been fine, but I think unfortunately they didn't do that, so it got subjected to comparison, and ultimately I don't think anything's ever going to compare to the original Spongebob series, because that is somehow miraculous. What is done on there is phenomenal. But overall, I do think that Not a Simple Sponge really stands out. It really slaps for no reason. It just goes so hard, and I love it for that. (laughs) Alrighty, with that, we are coming to an end on this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I certainly love to talk about this kind of stuff, about different songs and how I think they stand out for musicals. And I am continuing that on next week in my episode that is being published on Sunday about songs I don't like for musicals I do like. So that's going to be all the songs I tend to skip from cast albums. Very exciting. Probably a couple of songs that you weren't expecting. So please tune into that. And also, don't forget to give us a like and follow on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at Generation B-Way. And you can find us on Instagram at Generation Broadway. Both of those handles are all one word. With that being said, I will see you guys next week.